Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. With Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective, the only rugby podcast this week that is desperately wishing Zimbabwe involved in Super Saturday. We are here to do Scotland and Zimbabwe. Scotland and Zimbabwe. Scotland and Zimbabwe. It's the fixture that everyone's been counting down for for yep. a very long time. Two I'm big teams. As ever, by Will Owen. How are you doing? I am okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to start neutral. I'm okay. Okay. And I'm delighted to also be joined from the Scottish Rugby Podcast, Scottish Rugby Blog, Ian Hay. How are we doing? Um, I'm all right, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You yeah. silly, silly people. <laughs> <laughs> so you've we... opened your door to madness. That's what you've done. <laughs> yeah, we, so we briefly on this before we started recording, and we kind of alluded to this at the end of the previous episode, that we've never seen a more a perfect matchup of games, right, Robbie? Yeah, you know, it, it, something felt right energy-wise. <laughs> and also, you know, as, as we were saying before we start recording, I think it's just kind to throw you a bone and give you Scotland winning. Yes, I was just going over my, you know, my run of misfortune in, in all formats of the game. Um, you know, whether it's uh, domestic rugby, like I was just like Glasgow Hawks. I've never seen them win at Balgrave. <laughs> uh, I've been, I've reported on like over a dozen games there, I think. And Scottish rugby blog. I did the my first international game was doing the Scotland England sixty one twenty one. I mean, Hammering. Jesus, that's so a, it's a fun the day tables out, are flipping right round. It must <laughs> have seemed that year when you're given that game that you're like, oh, this is it. I've made it. This is a big game at Twickenham. You know, it's Scotland kind of backing themselves. I think it was more R- Rory and Cammy. You know, they were busy. Okay. <laughs> so, you're I'm new also, guy. Can you do this? Yeah, I'm sitting in the flat. I'm, <laughs> I'm now realising that we've got a really underqualified guest on who doesn't know how to talk about Scotland winning. Me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone who grew up watching them in the noughties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thankfully, I'm a wee bit older, so one of my first memories is the sort of 90 Grand Slam. Oh, uh, man. Tony Stranger was one of my first heroes, alongside your, your like, Ali McCoyce and Stephen Henrys. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that kind so, of era. Do you have any kind of memories of this Scotland team, this kind of Gavin Hastings, um, Alan Tate era? Um, I, I do not recall this game at all. I think yeah. I probably didn't start watching rugby until you know, I'm nearly 40. I was born in 1982, mm. so I'd just turned five when this game was. Right. But obviously, I remember um, a fair few of the players. Mm. Um, Alan Tate, I main, mainly remember initially from uh, Rugby League. Yeah. He uh, was like, no, it used to be on Grandstand on your Saturday afternoon. So that was my first knowledge of rugby, uh, Alan Tate. Mm. usually played at Fullwick. Mm. Or, mm. or you know what would be loose head prop to us, given the number yes. weird numbering system. Of course, yeah. Um, and then came back, obviously part of the glorious nineteen ninety nine Five Nations Championship winning team. Yeah, Tukolo. I always liked Ivan Tukolo. Mm. He's yes. not somebody I'm familiar with until yeah. doing this podcast. He's a but... new discovery to me. Yeah, yeah. like I remember, like he always seemed to make meters. He made meters after contact. Mm. He's not the biggest fella. No. Um, obviously, you know it's, it's quite a unique name. Yeah, mm. um, I that he's a Ukrainian father and Italian yeah. mum, apparently. Yes, but, you know when, well, when I've been watching him, like I see similarities sort of between him and Sean Maitland. 
Okay, mm. I can see that. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Come in off a balance, bit of it. isn't it? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I can see that. I couldn't shake the feeling that I want too close. I was like someone from the raid. <laughs> <laughs> but, I love those movies. Oh. They're so good. They're so good. And I love the inexplicable Scotland winger that pops up midway through them as well. (laughs) They're directed by a Welshman who had to cram some Six Nations rugby in there. He's in a bar in Indonesia and he's like, I recognise that accent. (laughs) Get in here. Let's talk about the Pro 12. Bill McLaren does say that his his mother's a lovely Italian lady. Um, It's very like, oh, is is she now, specific. Is yeah, she? yeah. Also, we sort of discussed this on a previous episode, Ian, but for your sake, this game took place when Tim Visser was one day old. Well, that's before he could become a bit of a mad Tory, doesn't it? Is he a mad? Is no, he? is he? I think, I think he, there has been some sort of Courtney Laws-esque really? sort of, uh, stuff. I can't remember off the heart now, but don't worry, he's not... Um, I remember, you know, obviously listening to you and Cammy's earlier, the... The Lament and uh, mm. Evans 5G Madness. I don't think he's gone <laughs> yes. that far yet. Okay. Um, oh, but it's a matter of time. It's with Tim. Slope, man. Tim Visser feels like the sort of player who would suit being a 5G conspiracy theorist. I don't know. It's either that or he just doesn't talk. That too. That's also possible. Didn't he, like, try and average out on an Edinburgh accent at one point and then just give up? I think it happens to the sort You know, it's like Jason Statham in the transport. <laughs> He starts trying to do a bit of American, then just like, ah, nah, mate. Yeah, I I like that Jason Statham's accents are Jason Statham and slightly less Jason Statham. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. He's not doing an American accent. He's doing his accent, but every now and again he changes a vowel sound. So should we continue looking at the Scotland team for this this game? Yeah. While, while we're here, so we've looked at Tate. It's called Tate's second cap at this stage. Mm. Um, Came off the bench the previous game against France. Yes. And uh, for his debut, and then makes his first start here. Yeah. Um, and speaking so, of, we've got a debut for Greg Oliver. Yes. Who Now we have Bill McLaren's commentating, which was... A that treat. was a joy. It was Bill McLaren's debut on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, first game really? we've ever commentating on, 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 oh, commentating on this podcast. Honest. Yeah, with yeah. Bill McLaren. So. I stand on the seat and salute, but last time I tried to do that, I mean, John nearly killed ourselves. <laughs> I want context. Oh, it's for, uh, when Tommy Seymour retired. Oh, um, so oh, no, we were doing a, a standing salute to Tommy Seymour um, <laughs> on our each on swivelly chairs on Zoom, and there was a lot of rotating. <laughs> I may have let an f bomb slip, which we're not allowed to do on the main podcast. Um, <laughs> I think I think I'm just meant to stifle it, so I think we got away. You're, you're very welcome to swear in Tommy Seymour's honour as much as you like. Oh, um, what a fucking brilliant guy! <laughs> what, what a player! What a player! I loved him. He was such yeah. a just delight to watch he was just like one of those guys and i know he could play for positions but he seemed to love playing on the wing mm. and i enjoyed that and like i was so glad that he went on that lions tour and like i don't care that he, you know wasn't going to make the test team or whatever mm. he was that player that everyone was like oh yeah i'd like to tommy seymour go on lions tour and then when it actually happens it's like oh yes we manifested that <laughs> a bit like chris harris yeah, yeah there was a couple of years where i think he was one of the best wingers in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah no yeah. doubt. Like, when he, like, I got my first season ticket Scots in uh, 13-14 season. Right. And I was thinking he was a wee bit slight. He had nice feet, but he was a bit, wee bit slight. Then he, mm-hmm. you, know, mm-hmm. you could see specifically his legs got bigger. He became a bit yeah. more powerful. Uh, made him a faster runner. And, you know, he, under the high ball, he was fantastic. So he had, he had a real peak spell. 
um, up to the Lions. Um, yeah. yeah, and it was sort of because that Lions tour was sort of the end of his run of really great form, and he sort of dipped off at the end of that season. Yeah, and then came back a bit afterwards for the 2015 World Cup. But it was yeah, it was sort of a shame when it caught him because he could have been a kind of test bolter if it had been a year earlier. I think. Yeah, yeah, but hey. We we got to see Tommy Seymour, and also it was just after Tommy Bow had had his last tour in 2013. Then Tommy Seymour goes in 2017. So it's like, oh, we've got a, a foreign winger we, called we Tommy need, that we that we now love. We like, need a Tommy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So and finished the top prize scorer as well. Yeah, That's not of course. Yeah, of course. of course. On three. So Bill McLaren commentating. Yes, that man loves a stat. That man oh, yes. loves to throw out a little like. Here's an interesting fact for you. Greg Oliver, who comes in to make his debut at Scrum Off, currently the backs coach of the Ireland Under Twenties. Oh, um, yeah, was elite player developer at Munster for a while. Oh, and yeah, played him. It's pretty um, cool. He won three caps for Scotland, right? Two of them were against Zimbabwe. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so his first and last game were both against Zimbabwe in World Cups. So he must be. Of all of the tier one players, the player with the highest concentration of games against yeah, Zimbabwe. Yeah, like highest percentage of games against Zimbabwe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, that is an incredible stat. He's I... also the 50th player from Hoyk to play for Scotland. Yes. Uh, at, but the first scrum art. I think the only as well. I remember when he said that mm. stat. I started looking up and I was like, no, Cusser or where was he? No, no, he was what's. Yeah. Um, and I still think it's the only one, but there's four currently in the squad. Hog, yeah. Graham, Suz, and I've forgotten one, haven't I? I don't know, possibly. And Lisa Thompson, no. the women's team. Of course, of course. yeah. Because yeah. Lisa Thompson grew up playing with Hog, didn't mm. she? Or was it Darcy Graham? It was Darcy Graham. One of them. One of them. Yeah, yeah. Age, age-wise, that seems... I think it was Darcy. <laughs> yeah, yes. they played together at age grade. Anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I found, though, that like we've gone through this World Cup and I've been taking the piss out of Keith Quinn. I've been taking the piss out of Grant Nisbet. I can't take the piss out of Bill McLaren. It I was, love him too much. It was such a joy hearing him come on. It was great. And like, because there's so many times you hear like really strange phrases spat out by the other commentators. With Bill McLaren, you knew it was self-aware and it was deliberate mm. that like he would say like these really like eccentric things. And it was just so lovable. Like as soon as his voice came on, I wrote him down on my list of potential man of the match awards. <laughs> Like, I loved the way he talked about Zimbabwe as well, like, mm. right from the start. He talked about them as though it was New Zealand or France or something. That's like, it. he treated them properly. I loved that, like, if you didn't know it was Bill McLaren, you would think he knew the Zimbabwean team equally as well as the Scotland team. Yes. Because he was just so well-read, like, and just so enthusiastic about them, as you say. And, like, there's a point in the second half where a Scotland player gets tackled and he just goes, oh, that's wonderful. Mesmeric defence by Zimbabwe. And it's just like, is it? They're about to concede on the next phase. But it's like he was so passionate about Did it. He, he just had to go along with it. The documentary on him, which had footage of him before he commentated on one game or another. And his wife, like he would make flashcards and he'd have his wife show them up to him during the week before a game. After just at the players' faces so that he could recognise them. If he was commentating on a new team or something, I did. I did wonder this because, like, mm. at the end of the game when all the Zimbabwean players were walking through the tunnel, he was saying, "Oh yeah, and that's Martin, and you know that's Boot and Dog and whatever." I was thinking, <laughs> like, how the hell do you know what they look like by face recognition? Yeah, he's just an absolute wonder and delight. Yeah, it's not like you can go on their, their, their Facebook or Twitter page, look up, <laughs> yeah. which is usually what I'm resorting to doing when it's like, "Christ, what team am I doing this week?" Fuck. <laughs> but you know he would if he could. <laughs> 
That's yeah. How is he getting facts on what jobs they all do? Yeah, without Wikipedia. Yeah. Like, I couldn't <laughs> figure that out looking up some of these Zimbabwean players. Like, because the thing is, we've found that, like, there's so, so often, like, hidden gems, like that Fijian number eight in his carver farm, like, stuff yes. like that that you would only find out by Wikipediaing. So sometimes I look at these lineups and I will just, like, Russian roulette, just pick out a random name and just type them into Google and hope that they have, like, you know, that their gran is Diana Ross or something like that. But yeah. th- it, it never, never happens. Is it Ollie Cable's granddad used to win, like, gold mines in South Africa and was assassinated or something. So, <laughs> what? Mad Seriously, right, I'll look this up just to fill while I, I look this up. Yeah, because I, just... I know, obviously, Kyle Stain's dad was Nelson Mandela's bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a photo of Kyle Stain in an all-black shirt with Nelson Mandela when he was a kid. Of course. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, often when stuff facts like that come out, my mm. first thought is like, oh, well done, Cammy. Like, you've made another one up, you've got us again. But no, like, so- sometimes those red herrings are like double bluffs. Every that now and again, happen. spot on. Yeah. Um, the Zimbabwe team, to pick up on yes. it quickly, right? So on the bench, they've got a player called Neville Cloppers. <laughs> so they do! <laughs> I've got nothing to say about him, he doesn't get off the bench, but he's called Neville Cloppers. <laughs> That's so good. Actually, I looked at that Zimbabwean bench and my name was drawn to Keith Bell and I thought, you're going to go there. But Neville Cloppers, that's incredible. Like, he, I think he beats out Bogdan Suman as the best name we've come across <laughs> in the World Cup. Neville, Neville Cloppers. So, <laughs> the big news in this Zimbabwe team, we have last minute Alex Nichols comes in to win his debut at Loosehead. Mm. Alex Nichols, right? We've yeah. had a lot of, like, father and sons and so on who've come up in... Players in this World Cup whose sons have gone on to play to a high level internationally. Alex Nichols has two sons, both of which have played for the Utah Warriors in MLR. No way! And the his elder son, Joseph, is now a coach for the uh, Utah Warriors seconds. Wow! That's, yep. that's a hell of a stat for Utah Warriors fans, which neither of us are. <laughs> Do you have an MLR team, Ian? Um, yeah, I did the, you know, the sort of Twitter roulette thing. I did that. Hmm. Uh, oh, one the SRU one. You oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Glory DC. Oh, Glory, yeah. I ended up with them. So. Nice, nice. I, I mean, that's very on brand for the, the Scottish Rugby podcast, I think. So It was. Well, you know, and then uh, there was a few players who went to the Giltinis and I would support them, but... Yeah. Adam Ash is I, I, there, of course. Yeah, but he went a bit... Yeah. And I'd... retweeting Katie Hopkins and stuff like that. Oh. I call, called her the Bulgin. <laughs> I did not know that about Adam. Him. Adam yeah. Ash is very off the deep end. You know, I, do you know what's weirdest thing? Like we, mm. we were coming back up. Me, my mate Andy, and my girlfriend Rona were coming back up from the uh, Scotland small game in Newcastle mm. in 2015. Mm-hmm. And on the train, uh, we bumped into Adam Ash. Mm. So we we talked to Adam Ash for like the entire duration of the journey from Newcastle up to Glasgow, right? Um, and like me and my mate Andy were talking to him for ages, uh, and then Rona came looking for us, and uh, Adam Ash had a Burger King bag, and she was like, I'm "Really sorry, those was you got any chips in there or something?" He's like, "I want my chips." So <laughs> my girlfriend ate Adam Ash's chips in twenty fifteen, yeah. and he was really nice. You know, he chatted away, he's fine. And then, I mean, bear in mind, I've interviewed uh, Dan Leo about mm. oh yeah. Apart. And I was like, that's all nice and fine. And it's like, what did he say now about transgenders? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's suddenly a back catalogue, isn't there? The we, we are oceans apart on this one, Dan. <laughs> hey. 
for them too. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Adam Ash who had the podcast with Grayson Hart? I believe so. Yes, where where he did did, did an I... episode on advice with love and relationships. Yeah, which we need to get into one day. <laughs> Grayson Hart did like a like a an agony aunt column podcast, <laughs> which as. Look, I want all of my problems solved by like what do you have? Like a free cat wonder Scotland's gone off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I, I want get that far. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it called something like hand on heart? Oh, it should have been. That should have been. That is good. He, he missed out on that. Yeah. I hope he's yeah. still doing it. Yeah. I can't wait for a new podcast where it's like Rory Jackson as Mystic Meg or something like that. <laughs> Coming one day. It's, it's the sort of niche podcast I'm into. See oh he's he's gin making though, isn't he? Is he? Is he? I think so, yeah. Or Cuss. I, I think both of them. I know, I think Rue Jackson's in it, but the, the old gin making. Oh. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. He's got that hipster tash. <laughs> right. Of course, of course, yeah. And it seems like there is this kind of, speaking of roulette wheels, that you spin if you're a retiring rugby player. And there's like coaching, punditry, <laughs> CBC oil, <laughs> coffee business, yeah, alcohol business. Yeah, and then there's like a tiny spoke that's like everything else. Like Lee Mays can go to Southern Crisps, and a, you know, a few other businesses yeah. along there. But most of them end up on the rest of the wheel. <laughs> you end up in like I don't think it's possible in South Wales to buy a co- cup of coffee that isn't somehow run by someone who used to play for one of the regions. Yeah, either that or like if you, I think it sometimes works the other way around. Like if you set up a coffee business in Cardiff, mm. there is like a thirty percent chance that the Scarlets will pick you that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like, even, even though that's, well, like, they're nowhere near Cardiff. When I, you know, when I was in Cardiff for the November Internationals, I one evening went over to the coffee machine in my, you know, my little flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, little hotel room, rather, in my little hotel room. Uh, <laughs> you rented out a whole flat? I rented out a whole day? flat. I got over to the coffee machine in the hotel room. Bloody dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the channel was going okay. I went to turn it on, and to my surprise, just Jack Nixon turned it on for me. I just made the entire coffee. Jack I meant Jack Dixon. I meant oh. Jack Dixon. I panicked. <laughs> I panicked and got the name of a dragon center wrong. It was in. It was. It was Richard's son, Jack Dixon. Yeah. Jack <laughs> Dixon. No, hold on. Old hold on. Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Recorded everything and made coffee out of all of it. Yeah. So, does someone else want to talk for a bit? Whilst I remember yeah, how to do it. Sure. Uh, do you want me to tell you about um, Ollie yes, Kebbles? Ollie Kebbles. Uncle? Yes, please do. Ollie Kebbles' uncle it is who's a controversial mining magnate, uh, Brett Kebble. Um, uh, he became a major player in South African gold and dime mining from the mid 1990s, mm-hmm. especially through black economic empowerment deals. But was embroiled in allegations of corporate fraud and misconduct. The extent of which was revealed only after his death. He was shot dead on the 27th of September 2005 in Joburg. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The shot dead that really adds to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. court testimony revealed that Kebble was killed by hitmen hired by his security chief, allegedly, I... allegedly at his own request, and apparent suicide by murder. What? What? However, the complete circumstances surrounding his death remain unclear. And that's I'll just say. from Wikipedia. I'll just say, uh, before anyone tries to fucking sue me, that's half of Wikipedia. <laughs> and I'd do a cami black and write that in the last five minutes. When sure. Yeah, have you checked who wrote that in? Check like the little liner <laughs> notes on Wikipedia, just to check there's not a C black on there somewhere. Oh, even by cami standard, that's that's yeah a yarn. That's deep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So he was he was like self assassinated. Yeah. Oh, insurance scam. 
sort of thing, maybe. Oh, Poss- but then, well, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't get the payout, which well, is but unlike. He misses, but maybe, maybe he's like, I'm already doomed. But you know, yeah, I've got all these. Like the company's bankrupt, the misses he's looked after. So a couple of life insurance deals. As as your father, a bit of EastEnders, slap each other. Or someone has committed the perfect crime. Someone has committed the perfect crime and somehow managed to pin it on the victim himself. <laughs> just That's... imagine like Ollie Kebble limping off like the individual suspects and then just breaking into a stride. <laughs> <laughs> I've inherited my uncle's fortune. <laughs> Hey, it's how he ended up in the nice part when he moved to Glasgow. You know, it's how how everything landed so well for him. <laughs> it's why he's he's like Michael Checker, and he doesn't need to do anything rugby related. He just does it for fun. You know, he's actually minted anyway. It's weird because looking at Ollie Kebble, I I always just kind of assumed he was the sort of guy who like didn't really know there were things other than rugby. But having heard that story, I've got a completely different perspective on him now. Yeah. My perspective would also change on anyone if I found out their uncle self-assassinated. Yes, that's valid. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I mean, yeah, I never really considered that aspect before. Can you blame me? No, you know, I, I understand why that wouldn't come up when looking at VP Nell or something. Sure. <laughs> yeah, Ian, have you got any uh, anything to note on the Zimbabwean team? Um, name-wise, or just how they played? Please, regardless. name-wise, go for it. Anyways, oh, your aunt Martinius Grobler, Sandoff, mm. yeah, who has a well, unknown date of birth on Wikipedia, but uh, it's <laughs> rugby.co.uk said 1st of July, which would have made him 19, mm. this game was, and he looks like he could be mad at. <laughs> right, there's no chance he's 19. That was like, the, the um, in 1989, there was a under-16 a football mm-hmm. World Cup tournament in Scotland mm-hmm. and Scotland mm-hmm. made it to the final and they played against Saudi Arabia right. um, and lost on penalties but most, like there was half the Saudi Arabian team had moustaches <laughs> and they were at least like 25, 30 years old I was like nah, these are, this is the under 16 boys like yeah, how come they turned up with their wings in the back of the car <laughs> <laughs> something's gone up to be fair, I, I think I was sort of 14 when I could grow a moustache yeah, um, I don't mean that as I, boasting. I, I grew a goatee beard when I was seventeen, so I could get sent. Nah, like, nice. I went to Team Park and got sent. Mm. Like, you don't idea someone with. A I, I was going to say, like, <laughs> Tea in the Park doesn't seem like the sort of place where anybody's <laughs> ever been ID'd before. But <laughs> like, you know, if you go if you go to the bar and ask for cocaine, they won't ID you. <laughs> like these wee guys came up and asked me to get, go to the bar, and I was like, Ah, mate, I'm underage. Like, <laughs> I was like, Ah, honestly, look, check my driver's license. <laughs> Well, some other I'm not getting in trouble for you. I remember when I was about, I mean, maybe like 20, I tried to buy, it was a copy of The Hunger Games on DVD, uh, which was a 12. And I got <laughs> ID'd and they went, have you got any proof you're over 12? And I said, you know, the, the beard. And they went, sorry, I'm going to need some proof that you're over 12. And like you probably don't look much different now to how you did when you were twelve. That's a nice no, thing. No, no, I mean, I mean twenty. It's largely the same. Oh yeah, yeah when I was twelve, I just haven't aged. Um, <laughs> I came out like this. Yeah. Um, I kind of hung around for a while. I grew four inches, and then I was at my final height. Yeah, yeah, and it like was... the, it, it's it's one it's one of the fun things because like looking at you on on Zoom now, hmm. you are to scale. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been really useful during the pandemic because I I come up the same size as a computer screen. You know, mm. if you've got a particularly big monitor, if you've got one of those like new Macs that are, yeah. that are however big, then I am bigger than I am in life size. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a true fact. You're Switch very IMAX. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no one's ever asked for that. Anything else to note on the teams, Zimbabwe or otherwise? I suppose Scotland bring in Douglas Wiley at 10. Oh, yeah, um, that's true, because John Rutherford's ruled out the tournament, isn't he? Yes. So they, they bring in their kind of second choice. He'd been playing for Scotland B for two years, then played for Scotland A afterwards, and now has worked his way up to the full team. Um, no letters. <laughs> yes. He's yeah. got rid of all of them. He started at Scotland Z and now he's here. <laughs> And yeah, so he's he's come in. Uh, he had a handful of caps coming into this. Played against Australia previous year, uh, and now here he is playing a ten for Scotland. By the way, did anybody else notice that uh, Zimbabwe had an R Gray playing on the flank and immediately Google what his first name is? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I know he looked a bit like, um, like Rob Harley and uh, I... Rory from the rugby blog, the editor. Like they got stuck in one <laughs> yes. of Jeff Goldblum's flypod machines <laughs> and came out the other side. I also had the Rob Harley thought of like, oh, his. I wonder if like Rob Harley's mum was visiting this, you know, to watch this match. So I thought uh, Mark Neal looked like David Den. And David yeah. Den was Zimbabwean. So... Yeah. That's a good point. Right. They're clearly the same guy. Yeah. You know, they've gone for the old, He's... they've gone for the old Saudi Arabia under 16s approach. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Massive lad for 1987 amateur era from Zimbabwe. Big yeah. old boy and quick as well. Whenever yeah, he was I quite liked him. Speed. Mm. He was like one of the few decent players from Zimbabwe. I mean, they gave a better account of him in the previous game, but yeah. um, you know, in, in, in this one... It was, also, so yeah. Malcolm Jellico, the scrum up yes. and captain, right? He played three games for Zimbabwe, which were the three games in this World Cup where he was captain for all of them. And he never played for them again. He retired after this tournament. So he came straight in as captain for yep. the first ever World Cup game. Yep. And that that's and so weird. Went, I'm done now, lad. See ya. And left. Do you think, like, he came in, they were like, okay, you're really good, making you the captain. And then he's like, I'm done with this shit. We've lost every game. I'm too good for this. <laughs> Was it no, like, I think... sort of, Chris, like, you know, when Christopher Ray joined Arsenal? Because somebody put, said, oh, it's George Weir's cousin. So, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, so somebody posted as an agent and said, "Yes, it's George Weah's cousin. He's one of the top mm. players in Africa." And uh, oh yeah, Graham Soon has signed him for Southampton, and he came on against Arsenal and played for like seventeen minutes. And then eventually, people realised this guy's fucking shit. Guy's like <laughs> Sunday league down at the park, hungover kind of crap. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, and he got hooked. <laughs> so maybe Jellico had some. Maybe there was a there was a guy. Just I think... questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's one point. I remember the Scarlet signed Michael Tanny Fackenbau, uh, mm. what meaning to sign the other one who played for London Irish. Silosi, yes. Yeah. And they accidentally signed the wrong one, not <laughs> realising it. Uh, but no, there was a guy who <laughs> was played... stuck with him for a year. There was Sorry. a guy, I think he was South African, who was a footballer. Well, I mean, he wasn't. Uh, but he noticed how much footballers get paid. And when I could pretend to be a footballer, so would basically made a career out of because he had a friend who was an agent or something who took a split of the wages. And he would, who were then talking him up into signing for whatever team. French guy, was a French guy. And yeah, he would basically work his way up, sign for a team. He would then instantly get injured 
and then be out for a season, claim all the money he could without appearance fees, and then leave and go to another team the moment they found out, because it was near before the internet, where it was quite hard for word to spread if he moved to a different continent. So he did this. It was an incredible... Like, Gregory Alicrod, who, yeah, he was like... He basically never played football before, couldn't really do it, ended up playing in basically every major league, but he played, like, at most 20 minutes for any team he played for. <laughs> so good. I just like the thought that he like maybe like edited together a highlights package with like twenty one actors where he looks amazing and the you know they're all defending terribly. CGI the fuck out of this. There we go. So <laughs> by the time he played his first professional match, he'd only ever played football in his own garden. No, he'd never played an eleven aside match, but he ended up playing for <laughs> Arsenal. Uh, he ended up playing. He made PSG's reserve team. He played for their seconds. <laughs> He played sort of all over. It's an incredible career. Like, there's a really like, remarkable... I, he finished his career at Swindon Town. But he what just... That's, that's still what, pretty what good for some... Yeah, he's still pretty good for somebody who's never played football before. <laughs> it was it was incredible. He just worked his so way up. Was there a Netflix documentary about that? Or... There should be. There should Why be. hasn't that been made? I'm sure I've seen one. Oh, the other names I saw. The TV said it was M. Sawyer, the number four, but then I looked it up on Wikipedia, it said Tom Sawyer. Yes! Yeah! So, <laughs> I'm not quite sure why, how that... Why, why the hell was that not their national anthem? You know, be a bit of Tom Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the bang up, bong along, along lads, there we go. <laughs> because their national anthem is just the South African anthem, but they've changed the yeah. words, mm. which is very, like, you know... Don't copy my homework, but just change a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, somebody probably got sued over that. There's also, of course, we discussed this previously with Jamie Lyle, but Scotland the Brave is uh, mm. Scotland's national anthem at this stage. Uh, we still do hear Flower of Scotland belted out by the Scottish crowd, which was always lovely to hear. But again, Scotland the Brave, banger. Absolute banger. Yeah, my, my, like my mum in particular thinks that Flower of Scotland is a bit of a dodge. Really? Yeah, but um, yeah. Scotland is a lot more cheery and whatnot. But I only know the sort of dirty playground lyrics. I was actually <laughs> looking them up earlier, and I still can't remember something. But <laughs> here, here, the pipes are calling from some your kilts falling. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's harder to just shout them in the back. Like Flower of Scotland gives you a great chance to just shout wankers in the background. Yes, until you show up, if you're greatly low. Yes. <laughs> So that was nice to see the uh, continuation of uh, people playing at Scotland Scrum Halfs uh, called Greg, spelled yes. with a necessary extra I. Yeah, it's just it's a lovely tradition, and I'm glad we got to see it start somewhere. Yes, yes. Oh, we couldn't play, you know, uh, it was uh, fizzy. Yeah, yeah. Comes in, you've got to fill a Greg in for a label. It's the only way you've got to have some sort of continuity there. <laughs> Should we talk about the game? Yeah, <laughs> we probably should. Just a bit um, of a over, really, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, no, Grobler, sorry. Martin House, Grobler. Great off the tee. Terrible kicking from hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, there were some penalties in the road 22, which barely were making it out to 22, and also not finding touch. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a bad way in kicking from hand was <laughs> below amateur level. <laughs> Five-year-olds try to kick a full-size rugby ball sometimes. At one point, he takes a 22 dropout and it goes out behind the 22-metre line. <laughs> I mean, Douglas Wiley does that twice as well. 
Either so so he, he really struggled. To... And like, it Doug... seemed like there was a bit of breeze picking up at that point of the film. Yeah, slightly sure. There. Like, Douglas Wiley kicked quite well out of hand and everything, but he just sucked at 22 dropouts inexplicably. All the other kicking, he was completely fine, but he was just completely baffled whenever it came to, like, kicking it on the 22. Am I hoofing it? Oh, And I was a huge fan of how quickly they worked out the tactic that they would just bomb it at Ferreira at fullback, (laughs) who, like, is actually quite good under the high ball. But then yeah. all he does is boot the ball out basically where he's standing. <laughs> he just puts it out immediately. So there's this, like, yes, he's taken it, but he's then gained about four inches on the kick. It's literally like they planted him at fullback. Like, he's our insider yeah. who we're going to kick to every time <laughs> he's and he's just going to run backwards. <laughs> but it is big, like, he's he's not a fullback, he's a backstop. Like yeah, yeah. to kind of catch the ball, and then he is, like... he is, of course, a professional tennis player and coach. Yes, um, as has been pointed out on the commentary. So maybe he's just still learning the think, rules of rugby. I think he that's really it. Win for rugby? Any chance? Is, is he South African or Zimbabwean tennis player? Don't know. I don't think it is on his Wikipedia page. But right. well, th- well, um, can we get to it? <laughs> <laughs> There must be a Zimbabwean rugby podcast out there who who edit all of their players, surely. I wonder um, if, because he's a tennis player, his natural instinct is just to hit the ball back always. Mm. Hence why every time he caught it, he just kicked it immediately to nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> he's always trying to make it bounce right beside the side line. <laughs> yeah, to get it bounce twice. I also love this... <laughs> There's a point where in in the second half, Scotland have like quite a promising attack where like they've strung together a few good passes, and then Greg Oliver gets the ball on the wing and just gets bored and boots the ball out on the full. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. There's uh, another great moment. I think it's only in the second half where similarly he is about to go into touch. He has two Zimbabwean forwards and he kicks it overhead just to keep it in field. And we need to bring that kind of thing back. Yeah, definitely. We need to bring back random pointless overhead kicks. Mm, yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, there's there's a big vibe of like, when Scotland realised that they can just li- do what they want yeah. in this game, like they really do flick that switch and just like, they don't care. Like I've, I've got it noted down that they bomb five tries in the opposition <laughs> 22 uh, during this, during this game, despite having already scored 60 points. So like a <laughs> lot of vibes on this. I mean, the, to repeat the first one, really yeah. lovely try, finished by yes. Alan Tate. Yeah, yeah, to like, get the ball wide quite nicely. Uh, to Carlo throws a really nice offload from the floor. Mm. Where, like he, he, he goes like... He sort of steps around two people Yeah, and then offloads off the floor to Tate, who, you know, doesn't have much work to do, but is still well positioned. Yeah, of course. And it's his first try for Scotland as well. Like, yeah, no, it's very, it's very well taken. And th- that's what, two minutes into the game, isn't it? Something like that. So you kind of realise, like, oh, okay, this is the way this is going to go, isn't it? (laughs) The floodgates are already open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were never shut. And, like, it doesn't get much better for Zimbabwe when, like, I think they maybe kick the ball out in the fall, like, a minute later, or, like, they have a knock-on in their own half or something. And Scotland murdered them at the scrum. Like, Mm. it goes back literally about 15 metres. It is seriously unsafe, like, the level of dominance (laughs) on the scrum. And, like... Ian Paxton right afterwards knocks the, like they are going forward so fast. He does the classic number eight thing of trying to dive over when he yeah. could just wait a second and flop on it. Yeah, and he doesn't want to risk one of the second rows of someone falling on it first. <laughs> I, I think Ian Paxton has a really good game here. 
But like he spent the first half just the whole thing just bombing tries. Yeah. Like uh, obviously he gets he gets two eventually in the second half. But like boy, did it felt like, when he got one, it's like oh finally he's got that. Like it feels like he's been waiting for this for years. Well, because the first try he scores equals the Scottish try forward try scoring record. Yes, yeah, and then he breaks it with number yeah. five. Yeah, <laughs> it was great when he says like no Scotland forward has ever scored more than four tries. Like. Boy, one day we're going to see Dave Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that one Six Nations for you, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you imagine if we just... What if we just dropped Dave Cherry into this team? How would this game have gone? <laughs> he probably would have played 10. Yeah. And I mean, would Zimbabwe have actually played or would they have just been so shocked by the sheer sex appeal that they just forfeited <laughs> the game? It's, it's very possible. Did, speak, speaking of pure sex appeal... Did we all see the Zimbabwean coach? Yes. <laughs> Did we all see Pierce he... Brosnan coaching Zimbabwe? See, I I thought evil mustachioed Christopher Eccleston. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I got major Pierce Brosnan vibes from him. I especially liked, again, like he's the second coach we've seen in this World Cup, smoking in the stands, which we just love to see him. Like, not professional sport, but top-tier sport. Absolutely into it. We yeah. need to bring that back as well. Yes. I want Eddie Jones to unroll the wind of facts. Especially, especially when their team is 30 points down. <laughs> yes. Stress. Can you blame him? Exactly. Exactly. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I do have a note down at one point. Why have Zimbabwe picked Johan Uge at 15 now? Just because of the sheer dominance of Scotland. Just every time they kick the ball, it's like, oh yeah, they're going to score now. <laughs> And there's a little ball deep, deep in Zimbabwean territory. And just hope for the best. Uh, John Jeffrey has a moment, doesn't he? Oh, yes, because that was quite some. That was, uh, that's, it's like all of Stuart Hogg's worst ones combined. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk us through it, Ian? I, I can't remember who gives the ball. I mean, there's a good. It's, it's, it's a Calder. One. Yeah, Calder Pure gives him the ball. Overlap. Diving into the left corner, and even before the tackle comes in, spillage. <laughs> but. It's like a really dramatic one as well. Like I'm pretty sure because like he dives, like he d- goes for like a proper slide into the line, and I'm pretty sure by the time the ball hits the floor, it's crossed the dead ball line. He knocks it on that dramatically. <laughs> it's like he throws it forward instead of diving. Yeah, it's yeah. dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> I I enjoyed it a lot. It is everyone's worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah. There's a fun moment in the first half where uh, there's a policeman on the pitch, and I have no idea what? why. Yeah, there's a policeman in the Zimbabwean huddle. What? Just I like, have what no the, idea why. Like, is it Superboot? 
Is Superboo I, back? I should hope so. I should hope so. Yeah, I, so. He was white as far as I can remember, so probably not. But what? But there was a guy Sorry. just in full police uniform. Uh, if you want to check it now, I believe, I've got it noted down as I think 38 minutes into the uh, YouTube video. Um, right. But yeah, in the Zimbabwean huddle, there's just a Bobby in full police uniform just, just chilling with the Zimbabweans, clearly giving them tactics and stuff. Which I've got it written in big letters, like not quite the same size letters of when there's a dog on the pitch, but <laughs> policeman on the pitch is quite significant. I appreciate that you went with Bob. There he is! You're right! There he is! He's got a hat on and everything! He's just sort of having oh, a yeah, chat sure, with yeah. them. Yeah! <laughs> What's going on there? Help <laughs> <Off> he goes. <laughs> I just, I like the thought that he's like, maybe just like, said to Jellico or somebody like, look, you need to see me after the game. I'll let you finish this, but afterwards we have some talking to do. There's been like some sort of racism against you. <laughs> it's whole new meaning to Scotland being the boys in blue. <laughs> a tag up started, but hey, a tag up was on by this point. <laughs> you wonder if somebody like accidentally was trying to get a Scotland player arrested and subbed off, so they had to play with 14 and then accidentally phoned it on themselves in a, you know, in a, in a Ollie Kebbell's uncle kind of a way. What, what could he possibly have been coming on to say during the game? Like, was he like, I think the only explanation I can come up with is that he was a member of the Zimbabwean coaching, coaching staff. He was one of Brosnan's boys and he like only got to clock off work just before the game. But like he could take his hat off in the stands. Then wouldn't he be from Zimbabwe rather than a member of like the Auckland police force? Yeah. That's true. Who hangs out with Neville Cloppers in his spare time? <laughs> Double parts, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the same team, <laughs> you have to do that, mate. It's... And hey, so the Zimbabwe winger, as we mentioned in the previous Zimbabwe episode, Eric Barrett, who was a member mm. of the selection committee, yes. who then <laughs> picked himself on the wing. Just like, and... you know, cop close to retirement was like, screw this. Pencil pushing bullshit. I'm going back out <laughs> on the streets. And I didn't realise this, but uh, Bill McLaren says during this game he has 79 international appearances. Yes. <laughs> I wonder how. I wonder how he got that many. I did, like I'm. I was genuinely shocked that Zimbabwe had played 79 internationals yeah. by 1987. Like, and he was 35 at this stage. So Bill McLaren says. So, like, has he been on the selection panel since he was in primary school or something? Just no, he wasn't even made captain fucking once, and that punk jail co-ops in just <laughs> three from three. Do you off. think that's it? He was just trying to avoid suspicion by creeping in on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing if he makes himself, like, ten goal kicker and captain, he'll be caught out too early. He, I tell you what, he really is the Gregory, whatever that footballer's name is, yes. of 1987. <laughs> Of Zimbabwe in rugby. Yeah, yeah. I ever think 100%. he's really slow, yet he keeps picking himself on the wing. <laughs> just to sneak himself into the team. Also, can we just address that their fastest player, Richard Simba, was out injured in this game because he did that stupid, obnoxious dive when scoring oh, yeah. a try yeah. in the previous game. And like he was their best player. And By such he, a distance. Yeah, and he missed this game because he injured himself diving for a try and unopposed. Yeah. John Jeffrey plays the full match. Yeah, yeah. Snow justice. Yeah. 
No, it's it, it's it's gutting, isn't it? Um, John Jeffrey does. I think he makes up for it in the, in the second half, though, doesn't he? Where he scores exactly the same try he bombed earlier in the game. Yes. So it's just like he could just pretend to everybody that that was what happened in the first place. He runs over the line and dumps it down very calmly because <laughs> <laughs> my heart was in my mouth as I saw him going over. <laughs> Oliver scores a, a, a fun try in the first yeah. half where, um, you know, on debut, where he literally runs through the scrum like it's some <laughs> kind of NFL blocking play. Like, I've never seen something like that before. And uh, Bill McLaren refers to him as the little ferret burrowing through. There was a clip that went viral about seven or eight years ago now of a scrum off in amateur rugby running over the top of the scrum. Yes. Like jumping on top of the scrum. I thought this. Top. It's a bit reminiscent of that. Yeah, it's because it's like sort of like the left lock, the six and the eight break off one way simultaneously Hmm. and open up like a path that you can just sneak through while the rest of the scrum is just pushing against everybody else. And yeah, he somehow gets through and scores it. It's it's one of the most unique tries I've ever seen. He's also joined in as a super number eight as well. He, at yes. one point, is joined in bound onto the number eight pushing as well. I mean, he's not contributing. He's not helping by his pushing. But, <laughs> you know, he's there. Look, not many of the Zimbabweans were helping with many of their contributions in this game. No. I will repeat, the final score was 60-21 to Scotland. The 21's interesting. Um, yes. Come back to the 21. Yeah. Um, I believe the only try left in the first half is the Tukalo one. Paxton's um, try, which looks dubious, but, you know, it's given. Yes, because he was trying so hard, they just went. Just chuck him up there. <laughs> Everyone gets a medal at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone get you get a try. Oh, you get a try. You get a try. Everyone gets a try. Jack Nixon gets a try. Um, <laughs> it's like being on Oprah. <laughs> uh, I mean, do, have we mentioned Gavin Hastings' try? Oh no! Oh no! 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 There's a bit of a dick of the day contender for him there. Yeah, talk through it, Robbie. Well, so there's a lovely offloading move. Finley Calder has a really good game and is sort of just popping about like every try Finley Calder is involved in somewhere. Hmm. I think because all the Zimbabweans are very scared of him. Yes. As yeah. we all would be. And he goes to offload, right? And on hand is, I believe it's Derek White. No, yeah, this is the thing, right? So Wikipedia and ESPN Scrum have different players listed playing in the number four shirt. So it's Either Derek White, who definitely Bill McLaren says the it's name of. Hmm? Jeremy Campbell or, Lamberton. Yes. Lamberton. Uh, Which is... I think Bill McLaren says at the start, he replaces White. Last right. Time. Okay, that. So Jeremy Campbell Lamberton, who I think has a very good game, and has the most English rugby name of any Scottish rugby player ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe it. Jeremy Campbell Lamberton. Yeah, his his dad used to play for Scotland as well. That's really. Uh, oh, really? It just came up as C Lamberton. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll Google that. Fucking nothing came up. Um, <laughs> the, then I waited for Bill to see it. I found it. Uh, Michael Campbell Lamberton, I think maybe. Hmm. Don't worry, it's not like going to be another Ollie Kebbles uncle kind of thing. <laughs> we don't know that. We don't know that. Maybe he won his cap because he had his dad assassinated, so he got into the team. <laughs> Again, that's that's oh. the Eric Barrett approach to selection. So, like, Mike Campbell Lamberton. Mike Campbell Lamberton and um, Jeremy he's also Campbell. Also, a British Army officer. Oh, of course <laughs> he was. Okay, things are clicking together. They were both six foot five. Fuck yeah! Wow, yeah. Big lads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Though I suppose international second round. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so anyway, Campbell, um, Cam- Jeremy Campbell Lambert. I struggled with Jack <laughs> Dixon. I'm not managing Jeremy Campbell Lambert. Uh, he has worked perfectly into position to score this try. He is there. The ball is going into his hands, at which point Gavin Hastings, the little prick, rips the ball out of his arms and goes over himself. Because that guy really needs more points. Yeah. Does he not? Uh, does Bill McLaren not see overtakes the record or goes moves up to second at least in the all-time list during yeah. that game? Well, I mean, he misses a conversion right at the end. They'll put him in first on the all-time Scotland top point scorers list. It's karma. See, he misses one pretty straightforward one in the first half. Yeah. And then after that, when he's kicking into the wind, he kicks some incredible conversions throughout the touchline. Oh, he's goal-kicking superb, like yeah. the whole way through. He's yeah. really good. Which is a rarity watched... in 87. Yeah. I mean, we've watched a lot of this by this point. This is what, episode 14 or something? Yeah. And whew, I think we've seen 14 like, successful kicks a goal in all that time. Yeah. And all including, of them by Gavin Hastings. Yeah, I was going to say, like, including even like Hastings' last game where it was him and Serge Blanco kicking the goals. Like, Even that was pretty poor, but Hastings was on really, really good form today from the boot. And, hmm. and generally... Apart from stealing that ball, that was just a dick move. But Jeremy Campbell Amberton never scored a try for Scotland. <laughs> but he should have. He should have. If, if he had done, he would have been right beside uh, Ian Paxson in the list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, fifth place now. You've scored one. <laughs> on you go. The world's opening up to you. <laughs> Nothing you can't do. Yeah, so does that take us through the first half? Yeah, I, mean, I think I like, more or less. As well, the fact that uh, Jellico is clearly only in the team playing scrum half and captain because he has Gareth Edwards' haircut. <laughs> <laughs> they oh, saw that Cooper when... Brilliant. I don't know if you saw it on Wikipedia, it says the attendance was 12,000, which <laughs> I assume they mean is the capacity. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was more like 12. Yeah. ESPN I mean, Scrum has it down as 5,000, which even I, I even doubt that. <laughs> There's this running thing in these World Cup games in 87 of there's significantly more crowd at halftime than the start of the game. Well, like the attendance Mm. seems to double and it happened in the last game. And they mentioned that um, the commentators mentioned that there'd been local rugby, like, you know, community rugby happening. And so uh, all the players had gone to shower and then they were going to come back out and watch the second half. And I wonder if that's happened again here, that everyone's yeah. just turned, everyone's had a shower and then come out for the second half. Because it seems like there's more people there in the second half, but it's still about 15. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the attendance is still like very poor. Other than that, that one group of Scottish fans who are really yes. going for it. And then there seems to be one group of Zimbabwe supporting kids. But I don't know, they might just be Kiwis who are really into the underdog narrative. There's a group of students uh, that Bill McLaren pulls out towards the end of the game, and they've got banners and so on, and they have been the ones singing Flower of Scotland and so on, uh, which makes sense. But I think it's just them. Mm. It's them, and probably bloody Earl came along again on his own. <laughs> and then, then a few police officers. Some of whom may or may not get involved in scrums. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dive over the top, run through them like Greg Oliver. So, yeah, second half... Paxton scores a second try where he, he has a nice little run down the wing, dummies inside, shows a decent bit of gas. Decent try for number eight, considering they were all slow back then. Yeah, that was pretty it's really good. Nice. It's really um, nice. Really nice. Really nice try. And again, Paxton is inexplicably rapid. Mm. And 
Jeremy Campbell, Lambert and Jones, Hughes, second, the first. <laughs> his, his handling on that for 1987, when all second rows did was slap Ooh. the ball back to the nine at a line out. Or slap the other nine at a line out. Yeah, and then bite someone. (laughs) Him popping up and timing his pass perfectly, really lovely. Yeah, great to see. But, of course, the reason why we've come on to the second half is not to talk about Scotland, is it? Like, they'd already scored 60 points. Zimbabwe, however, they get 21 points. And that, as you say, Robbie, is fascinating. So... How do we want to sum this up? The twenty-one I, no, points. No, 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 no. Before we move on to that, right? Before we move, before we move on to Zimbabwe's points, I want to pull up my favorite moment from the game. Okay. Uh, at one point, uh, right after, not long after Ian Paxton's second try, mm-hmm. um, there is a shot of a line out, and they pause and take a while. And in the background, behind this line out, as we said, the stadium is completely empty, and the only crowd member in shot. And we can see about five rows of the crowd is one child, right? And this one kid is really struggling to take his jumper off. <laughs> he's got like a bright orange jumper on and he's trying to take it off. And he's got his hand caught in the elbow and he's trying to take it off. And then it cuts away to the teams in the huddles and they're all chatting and probably more policemen officers come over and have a word and so on. And it cuts back to the wide shot as the hooker goes in to go in. And the kid still hasn't got his jumper on. <laughs> caught over his head, so he can't see the lineup properly. It's very, very good. And I kept trying to look out, and there is a moment where someone kicks the ball later on, you know, like a minute later, where you can see it in wide shot, and he now his head is visible. So clearly he managed to get the jumper off somehow, I think. Do you think he took that phrase too seriously where it's like, if you can take your jumper off at the end of the game, you've not, not worked hard enough? Do you think he <laughs> took that a bit seriously and ran into some walls? Or some Maybe policemen? that's who the policeman officer was here to arrest. Mm. <laughs> He's here to arrest him for not working hard enough, taking his jumper off. It's a hot day. He tried to take his jumper off so the cop wouldn't see him. He's <laughs> <laughs> just hiding himself, pulls it over his face. <laughs> I have six more disguises underneath this jumper. Not actually a child. It's actually Derek White hiding. Well, that's Eric Barrett. <laughs> 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 yeah. I thought he, he looked like um, <laughs> what was his name? Uh, Edward Delacroix from Green Mile. <laughs> the oh, guy yeah. with Mr. Jingles. <laughs> yes, I can see that. <laughs> he definitely has character actor face. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has, like face of an actor who really struggled in his 20s and early 30s and then once he kind of grew old enough in his hairline when he started getting roles as district attorneys <laughs> yeah there's a lot of stuff off broadway you know then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. got my niche as a grumpy da or grumpy da <laughs> slowly picking up work slowly building up that career you know being very well respected did two episodes of the west wing um, <laughs> if GK Simmons can't do it, I'll do it. <laughs> exactly. Eric Barrett, the pound shop JK Simmons. <laughs> so, yeah, so the boy struggles to get his jumper off, mm-hmm. uh, and then some rugby takes place, and that's the end of the game. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> there's Sandgate, where Sandgate. Uh, Bill McLaren talking about sand kicking tees and then being a controversial new addition to uh, <laughs> really the <to> rugby. <laughs> yeah. He's so, a um, newfangled ways. So. Yeah. So, as as we will come on to, hmm. um, Martinus Grobler 
just decides, I'm going to just go for goal every single time I can, even if we're a thousand points behind, see if we can close that gap down to 997 and get back in the game. So that's, that's obviously his approach. And he has a kid bringing on a bucket of sand for him so he can mould his, his, his tea out of sand. Um, and Bill McLaren says at one it's point... The same like, kid with a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing it for both teams, so he needs to not be suspected. <laughs> but no, he's not doing it for both teams because as Bill McLaren suggests, we don't do that over here in Scotland. We just dig a hole in the floor with our boots, put the ball in it, and we just kick it and see what happens. Yeah, we just uh, fuck the pitch off. <laughs> 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 And it said like, oh, it's one of these things that, you know, a lot of people aren't sure about. And, you know, in a very Bill McLaren way, he doesn't sort of comment. He doesn't make himself too opinionated, mm. you know. But he says like, you know, a lot, a lot of people aren't sure about this, this, this big new invention that people are bringing to rugby about, about sand. building yourself a kicking tee off sand. <laughs> like it's some big, like controversial. Like, like remember when Dwayne Vermeulen uh, took a phone call during a Wales game? Like, like it's that kind of a thing. But instead, it's, he's just, he's just, Building kicking tea. It's just like wait till you see plastic ones in twenty years, Bill. I love it. Remote controlled fucking grouses. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that video Dan Parks did about his laser targeted t- kicking tea? Yeah, April Fool's Day. Vaguely, that someone got really upset. I can't remember who it was. This is a bad story. <laughs> Dan Parks did a, a fake segment on this is my laser targeted kicking tea that I use. That means I can't miss. And then someone got really angry. It was an April Fool's Day thing, and someone got really angry because they thought it was real. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe this is allowed in the Six Nations. Um, <laughs> it was like Neil Back or someone got really angry right, about the fact yeah, that yeah. Dan Parks has been using a laser target kicking tee. Then two weeks later, we saw Dan Parks miss a kick at goal. And oh, wait, oh, wait a second. I've been had. Did he blind himself with the light from the kicking tee? All this newfangled technology is not what it cracks up to me, is it? <laughs> oh, back in my day, we used sand. <laughs> sand. It's a bit controversial for my taste. Mm. I-, I love the Zimbabwe try, because it is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, I mean, my favourite thing about it is that, that Bill McLaren claims it's well-deserved. Yeah, he's just very lovely, is Bill. <laughs> yeah, he is. I enjoy so the Jellico just chuck chucks the ball at an offside player. I think it's John Jeffrey's offside. Yeah. And the ball just like bounces off him. And then at which point Rod Gray, the flanker for Zimbabwe, looks up and goes, Huh. Picks it up and runs straight through the gap where the offside player should have been. And everyone stops just expecting there to be a penalty blown. That kind of like Reese Webb dickhead thing that some scrum halves mm. do where they just chuck the ball at an offside player in the hope that, you know, they'll get a cheap penalty out of it, but it ricochets into one of their own players and they make a break from it. <laughs> and like the the final pass is a bit of a fluke as well. Mm. That ends up in Butendag's hands. And yes. I think he kind of scores it by accident. He just kind of gets tackled. The referee blows his whistle and he gets up like, what's that? Oh, oh, I'm over the try line. Oh, okay. Fair enough. And that's it. Zimbabwe have four points. Yeah. Which obviously then upsteps Grobler. Six points. Yeah. See, are you ready yet to talk about Zimbabwe's pointage? Um, Ian, are you ready? Why not? Um, <laughs> did we miss the Alan Tate's second try? We missed Ooh, Alan Tate's second try. We did. We did. Which is very good. It, yeah. Uh, one thing was, it's like Scotland goes through the quick tap penalty, mm. which is now, now back in all the rage. David Soul like, hits the deck early. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And so it sort of creates this, like, the offside line so much further back. So it gives Scotland's back loads of space to work in. It's, that's something that's kind of come back into fashion as well. Like, really the quick phase. Because that didn't happen here at all. Like, any no. ruck takes... Like, sometimes you can skip forward five, ten seconds on YouTube and you'll be grand, you know, you're not missing anything. But yeah, yeah. Jay creates a quick phase and then lovely handling. Yeah, Gavin Hastings gives a really nice last pass where it's like actually quick hands. And like, it's one of those astounding things because like people catching the ball is enough of a novelty, let alone making a good pass afterwards. Yeah, Matt Duncan's try, Hastings Tamsin. I mean, oh, the whole yes. back line is superb then. Yeah. Gavin Hastings' last pass is excellent. We basically skipped all the Scotland tries in the first half, didn't we? Yeah, we probably did, but it's fine. But they, they run the same... To, Car- to Carlo's solo try. Ooh. What a try. Yes. Yes. Talk us through it. Me? Someone. Yeah, either of you. You're going to ask you do it. <laughs> well, have you ever heard of a little sport called rugby? No. Because... I, I'll address this to Ian because um, it's easier. Well, it's pretty much redefined by Iwan Tukolo, star of famed Indonesian film The Raid 2, um, <laughs> bursting through, stepping about 17 people. He looks like he's going to fall over at one point, stumbles, but puts him in the perfect position to beat Andy Ferreira, the fullback for Zimbabwe. Stumbles right through him, goes over for a glorious, glorious solo score so it's a wonderful bit of uh rugbying this has been uh squid rugby please don't judge me on this <laughs> you have been judged sir thank you no it's a it's a very very nice try yeah um Takala takes it very well and he is a, such a well-balanced player yeah i enjoyed him a lot in this game as i say like he would rarely get the ball, and every single time he would really seize his opportunity. Uh, him and Duncan both, actually. The athleticism and balance and pace of him to the being on the selection panel of Eric Barrett <laughs> in the space of 11 jerseys. They really bring something different to the table, each of them. Uh, like It's amazing that Tukala was further down the names on the team sheet than Barrett. <laughs> it's just the alphabet for you. Uh, anymore, should we clean up the Scotland tries then while we're here? Yeah. So yeah, uh, Duncan scores exactly the same try as that one we, we described earlier where they do the little quick tap, quick phase thing and they spread it wide. The, the same as uh, Tate's other try. Uh, what else happens? There's a point where in the second half, Gavin Hastings goes for goal, even though they're only yes. 40 points up from a penalty, which is interesting. It's and he misses. In the corner. <laughs> yeah. It's a very strange one. I don't um, know if he's just inspired by Zimbabwe who by this point are just taking shots at everything, right? Yes. So there's a point at which Zimbabwe, shortly after their try, go for goal when the score is 50 points to 50. <laughs> and they go, you know what, we'll take the shot. And then a few minutes take later... Over, keep it taken over. A few minutes later, the same, same thought process, keep the scoreboard ticking over. And wouldn't you know it, Grobler nails it again, leaves them at 50 points to 18, so the cap's closing. They then get another penalty from about halfway in the corner, and Grobler takes a shot, right? And he misses, which is a real shame because at fifty points to twenty-one, it would have been interesting. If you if you could close the gap been... to twenty-nine, then we would have a game happens. on our hands. And he misses two, both from around halfway in these last sort of fifteen twenty minutes. Both of them went at least forty points down. 
the, the thing the thing that's interesting about this is every time when they got the penalty, Jellicoe, the captain, was nowhere to be seen. It would always be Cropler himself would go up to the referee, clearly trusted to boot the ball into the corner or something. He would go up to the referee and say, right, I'm going to go for goal here. So clearly everyone else is going like, this prick on debut, 19 years old, just wants all the points. You know what, though? It does work, to be fair. Yeah, like he does actually kick them quite well on the whole, and like it is a much more respectable scoreline. And like, I think if he got all of his kicks, it would have they would have maybe got to thirty points. Mm. Uh, so they would have maybe got to half of Scotland's points, which is what rugby's all about in the World Cup. Yeah, you want to be you want to be scoring at least half, almost half the points of your opposition. Mm. That's how you win rugby matches. Yeah, exactly. Um, Scotland's discipline. As, yeah. it, you, as it has maintained to be fucking <laughs> shade. And that's how Grubble got so many shots to go. 15-4, I think I had the penalty count. What? Wow. I think Bill McCarthy said at one point it was 12-3, so I scrolled that down. And I started like, that's an one against Scotland, that's an one. So I think it was wow. 15-4 in the end. That's wow. ridiculous. I think there was a couple that were maybe sort of the ref just going like, you know what, fuck it, I'll give, them, I'll, I'll give Zimbabwe a wee hand here. There is, already, de- <laughs> there is definitely a point like, where he decides. There you go, son. Apparently, um, <laughs> there's, there's definitely a point where he decides he's biased to Zimbabwe for the next five minutes, which is great. Because <laughs> I think he doesn't he like disallow a Scotland try that was about to go over or something, and then like he decides, you know what? From this, you know, we're just going to let Zimbabwe knock back. it on, kick, give him a penalty, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah, I'm sure, like I think, like you say, there's a try it scored, but then at one point I think he flags for a penalty to Scotland inside the 22. But then he's like, "Oh no, wait! Oh no, it's a scrum to Zimbabwe back near the halfway line." Right. <laughs> like you just said, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're just going to pop back there now. Just uh, give me a second. <laughs> I'm, I'm also one of my fascinating points. Bill McLaren refers to Gavin Hastings as being an enormous and heavy fullback at almost mm. 15 stone. Which how the game's changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think at one point as well, doesn't he say that uh, Keith Robertson in the centre is uh, 11 stone? Mm. Wow. So, you know, for a, a number 12 crash ball, 11 stone centre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's an interesting player, now. Keith Robertson. Uh, I quite enjoyed him, but like, I couldn't figure him out, like, whether, because like, he clearly viewed himself as like this big crash ball merchant, as you say, Ian, but like, he also was 11 stone and had to rely on being fast. Yeah, he's a shade under 11 stone, according to his Wikipedia wow. page. So he's about the same weight as me, I think. I, I think I'm a huge fan of this sentence as well on his Wikipedia page. A prolific try scorer at every level except internationals. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unknowingly brutal. <laughs> it's like the pa- passive aggressive way to say flat track bully. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, this is. His Wikipedia page is horrible. So it then. Then says he was a major part of Scotland's Grand Slam in 1994, but was never selected for the British Lions. <laughs> Whoever did that, can they just go and write on every other person's Wikipedia page who wasn't selected for the British Lions? J.K. Rowling, never selected for the British and Irish Lions. Dan Carter, never selected for the British and Irish Lions. <laughs> After becoming involved in Borders Rugby, he was one of the major Scottish advocates for professionalism in rugby union. He occasionally appears on STV. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty brutal there's yeah. an extract of about him from a book called the complete book of rugby okay right and bear on that book was published nine years after he retired right. so did it have paragraphs Jones <laughs> <laughs> did it have paragraphs on every rugby player was that the idea 
but it's not, it's not go, complete otherwise, is it? Yeah, it's a complete book of rugby. So we can need to try and get a copy of the complete book of rugby. Mm. <laughs> See if we can track this down. I like to think it's like the, the rugby equivalent of the Book of Mormon. Uh, he is the father of Mark Robertson, who... Of course he is, of course he is, yes. Played we, uh, for Glasgow, yeah. but then... Scotland Sevens. Scotland Sevens. Sevens. Yeah. yeah. He he was great, Mark Robertson was. I completely yeah. forgot about that. He for a little, so. Yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. And he um, played for Team GB. Team GB, yeah. When the, when the um, silver medal. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was great, he was. Really good player. Uh, and, like... Definitely a lot heavier than Eleven Stone as well, but also ran his weight. Is that as more or less done on the game? I guess that covers another nice most... total or finish. Uh... Mm. Oh, I mean, yeah, Scotland have two tries right at the end. They scored two tries in the last ten minutes. Oh yeah, of course. So yeah. J- John Jeffrey doesn't dive this time and gets away with it. <laughs> yeah, that's the sensible thing. Yeah, and then it's. I mean, Alan Tate looks like he's good. Could score his hat trick. But wisely, just as someone's coming across, I think it's Sean Graham, the Zimbabwe winger, coming across to absolutely clobber him. He just gives a very soft little pass to Matt Duncan, who scores his second try. It's, it's, I did not expect him to be that selfless. No, no. Especially on the second cap. Yeah. He also a hat trick on his first start. I enjoyed a nuggety winger called Graham playing against Scotland. <laughs> Two, there was, uh, oh, Ca- there was Campbell Graham and Seb mm. and Sean Graham. Yeah. Camel Graham, like that's that's the most Scottish name of all the people that played. <laughs> He's playing for the Genuinely is. I think it was 2012 where Wales Scotland, the Scottish wingers were Evans and Jones, and mm. the Welsh wingers were North and Cuthbert. Yeah, and it was they just swapped surnames. It was slightly upsetting. Was Hugh Jones playing as well? Maybe at 13. Probably, mm. yeah. Probably came in around that. For the sake time. of this, we'll say it was. Yeah, it was in. Entirely, there was um, Hughes and Owen and Jones and Jones and Jones and Jones and Jones and Williams as well. Uh, covered all the bases. We want our names back. Yeah. It's just, look, I don't mean to be pissy about it, but Wales only has four names, so I just like to keep them. <laughs> Stop keep Welsh names Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> Coming over here, taking on names. No, I'm already angry that there was okay. a Falatab who played for Tonga. Like, that's the Welsh's <laughs> name there is. Sorry, Man of the Match Dick of the Day. Jesus. Yeah, Man of the Match and Dick of the Day time then. So, should we start Man of the Match? Sure. Uh, Ian, do you want to start? Yeah. Go on. Um, I'm going to go with, you know, if Paxton hadn't dicked so many, I would have gone to Paxton. Uh, mm. Instead, I'm going to go with Finlay Calder. Mm. Um, I thought it was a very good game all around. As uh, you'd said, Robbie uh, was involved in a lot of the tries. Did he's Finlay Calder thing? Uh, yeah. Had a good game. It seems surreal to me that Finley Calder isn't captain. Something yes. just isn't right, especially when you come to watch it. That would be for the soul man. <laughs> oh no, it's Colin Deeds' captain, isn't it? Yeah, well, Colin Deeds yeah. is, is, is half century as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, not a bad man to have the captain, I suppose. No. No, I mean, but when you've got Finley Calder, you make Finley Calder captain. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That is like his, his main plus point is being Finley Calder. Like, yes. you know. Uh, you'd you'd think that you know any coach who isn't Eric Barrett would have kept picked him as captain, but you got to make do. In terms of men of match, so th- there's one guy I had written down for one involvement. I wrote I wrote down Ian Mill for one involvement mm. where he got the ball and just refused it. Yeah, took a look at some an inside pass and he's like, "I'm a fuck running in that space. I'm a prop," <laughs> and it's like seventy minutes gone. Fucking t- contact recycle. 
He literally stops still and like waits. For, like he literally like beckons over a Zimbabwean tackler <laughs> so he can not oh, roll with the, the I loved it so much. I'm like, I've nearly given him man of the match just for that one involvement because it's just <laughs> hilarious. Like, I love it. It's the most 80s prop thing I've ever seen. As I say, like, I, I want to give it to Bill McLaren just for being a delight. Like, he's mm. the person I enjoyed the most, but I feel like I should give it to a player when Scotland won by 60 points. Um, I think. <sighs> Gavin Hastings was really, really good, actually. Uh, you know, kicked his goals well, took his try well. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to give it to Ian Paxton for breaking that long-standing 100-year record <laughs> of four tries. Um, it's very impressive. So I'm going to give it to Paxton for that. Look, he got halfway there in just this game alone. Yeah. <laughs> Heroic then, work. They really need to play Zimbabwe more. <laughs> give Greg Oliver more chances. I mean, on the 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 whole man of them. Jack Nixon uh, is my man of the match. No, I mean, I think Bill McLaren's a very good shout. I also had him very much in contention. Um, just because I enjoyed the game so much more for him being mm, there. Yes. Thanks, Bill. As you say, I agree with both of your shouts. Uh, I think Jem- Jeremy Campbell Lamberton has a very good game and is let down by the fact that I can't say his name. And it's sort of just everywhere. I, I with Chris Ashton. I keep saying Chris Ashton. <laughs> Crash Ashton. Crash Ashton. I can see it. Crash Ashton. Crash Ashton. The Swan Ivan <laughs> <laughs> Covers the ground, doesn't it? Yeah. Covers the ground. <laughs> Everyone knows who you mean. I thought Ticalo did very well, was very good, was very good every time he got the ball. But I think on balance, narrowly pipping Calder for me, uh, I'm going to go Alan Tate. Fewer touches, fewer involvements than Calder probably, but did good rugby i have completely lost how to do all that's all okay words. that's okay. um that is that is my involvement i might change my mind to finley Calder as well <laughs> dicks of days so i mean i don't have as many written down as you'd maybe think so i had uh i mean obviously hastings is up there for stealing that try wiley obviously just completely hating 22 dropouts was up there oliver for a variety of reasons on his debut but i feel ask. like i would be untrue to myself if i didn't give dick of the day to andy ferreira at fullback for zimbabwe for just everything <laughs> for just like every time he kicked the ball backwards every time he just chose like no I, I don't want to take part in this game for about the fifth minute and couldn't get subbed off so uh my dick of the day is andy ferreira for getting selected at fullback for zimbabwe um i'm gonna go for the opposite number because Ooh. look i don't see a world in which just can't be gavin hastings when you have the one-two punch of stealing a try from your second row who will never score from his country. Yeah, that is bad. All in order to push yourself towards this this heroic total of being the top point scorer for Scotland ever, whatever. Then he has a shot, pretty gettable shot, at the end to do this. And he only goes and bloody misses, doesn't it? Yeah. He only goes and misses. That is kind of by definition the dick of the day, isn't it? And I think that is absolute nailed on dick of the day behaviour. Uh, I have no doubts whatsoever of that, though, I mean... Ian Paxton repeatedly dropping the ball over the line, <laughs> seemingly, and that thing John Jeffrey does kind of have to put them in a the conversation. But that's why Jeffrey's getting mean. Yeah, that, that's because <laughs> it's such a dramatic spill. <laughs> you know, it's, like you said, it actually goes. You know, he drops it maybe a yard short of the try line, and it spills out over the sideline in the goal area. So it's uh, it's quite it's, uh, quite spectacularly shit. <laughs> 
only phrase that will fit. Cool. Does that bring us to the end? The it certainly does. Yeah. Ian, have you got anything to add? Any any other thoughts on the? No, I'm all good. Apart from thank you very much for having me on. Brilliant. Both yeah. Well, thank you. Much. <laughs> Where can people find you? Where can people find your stuff? Uh, uh, I'm at Ian Hay eighty two on the Twitter. Um, don't write as much for Scottish Rugby Blog now. Um, mm. I do match sports for the line, but I've got a proper job, so <laughs> don't do as much stuff anymore. But you'll see me kicking about on Twitter, talking shit every day. Oh, absolutely. And on the Scottish Rugby Blog podcast, of course, which is at Scott Rugby Pod, I think. Mm. I um. I mean, for any for any of our listeners who don't already follow Ian on Twitter, I strongly recommend it because yeah, you know, if you're into you know angry angry ramblings in 280 characters about Scotland, then we have the perfect man sat next oh, to us. Why would That's not always angry. No, it's not yeah. always angry. Sometimes it's ferocious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's been it's been a joy having you on the potty, and thank you very much for coming on. As I say, we've wanted you on here for a while, and. Uh, yeah, we, we just picked the perfect game for it, I think. So, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you again, Ian. Uh, thank you, William, as, as ever, you know. Cheers. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please join us next time when we will be looking at the 1987 Rugby World Cup match. <laughs> so every time I look at the fixture list, I'm again amazed at why are we doing this? <laughs> Again, so we've got next up is France 41, USA 17. After that, we've got England 60, Japan 7, which is going to be this, but there's not even bloody Grobler going for goal all the time. <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Will. Thank you, everyone, for listening. See you very soon. Good night. Bye.